G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Life is about difficult times. Stuff happens to all of us. Hi and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today the message is successful living and we're taking the keys to a successful life from Paul's writing in Philippians chapter 3. And when the Apostle Paul writes this, I'm convinced that he's trying to tell us, here are the keys to successful living. This is the abundant life. No matter what happened in your past, this is where you go from here. And here's the first key. He says, you must train the mind to forget. This is Today with Jeff Vines. You know, if there's one thing about Christianity that should stand out above and beyond every other philosophy or world system or worldview, it's that the man or woman you see in the mirror today should be different than the man or the woman you saw five years ago, or from the time that you first came into the kingdom, that you walked across, and now you're with Christ and his spirit is in you, that the man or woman that you're going to see five or 10 years from now is going to be different than the one today. And if it's anything, it's that, the power of inward transformation. So now you have to ask the real question then. If that's true, that's unique to Christianity, that is maybe our strongest position, if not our strongest position, then why is it that we see so little change? That the man or woman in the mirror is not different five or 10 years from now. Now folks, to me, that is the question. Because as we defend our faith today, that is the question of an unbelieving world. You talk about inward transformation, why don't I see it? Gandhi even said, I like your Christ, I just don't like your Christian. Now, if we're going to come face to face in the mirror with who we are, we got to take a little journey. I want to do that with two vignettes to start out. Go ahead and turn over in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. And I want you to hold that there. Philippians 3, 12, while you're doing that, I want you to gather in here two quick vignettes to make a comparison. Here's the first. I've got a a pastor friend who was invited recently to visit a halfway house for young people. He said that he was asked to speak for an hour and a half. When he got there, he was escorted by the headmaster to the back of the room. So here we have this auditorium filled with young people between the ages of around 14 to 19. The addictions in this place are so intense that for most of them, they will spend more time in the halfway house than they've lived up to that time. It's not just your typical addictive lifestyle. It's deeply ingrained. There are serious issues. Pastor friend said they escorted him to the back and then the master of ceremony, so to speak, came back and warned him, look, you're going to see something that's going to be a little confusing. It's going to startle your senses a little bit. But rest assured, everything's okay, and then when we're finished with this segment, then you'll come and speak for your hour and a half. So he said he stood at the back of the room, the moderator came forward, and he used this word. He said, motivate. And at that point, everyone in the room, hundreds began to strike the air, to punch the air violently. 
And they just kept punching, not each other, just punching rigorously and aggressively the air. They did this for a half hour. That's hard to do. You can do that for a few minutes, but they just, and it was to ventilate. It was called the process of ventilation, where their anger, their rage and frustration for what they had become and their sense of debilitation where there's nothing they could do about it, just expressed in this way. And then at the end of that, every male and female put their hands on their knees as if they were glued there the entire time the pastor spoke. And then at the end, during the Q&A time, a young man about 14 years old stood up at the back and said this, sir, it is impossible for me to look at a young woman without just one desire in my mind. Can you help me? Can you break me of this? Because my future is destroyed. My mind is possessing me. There is no hope for me. Can you please help me? Now, I want you to remember that little vignette, and let's go to another one. Here's the second one. It involves an internationally known young woman now, Casey Bernal, who died in the Columbine shootings. Two days before she died, she was videoed by her Christian youth group. And here's what she said in front of the camera. And I quote, I just try not to contradict myself. I just want to get rid of all the hypocrisy and live for Jesus Christ. Now, two days later, at her funeral, or I don't know if it was a few, that probably would have been a few days later than that, but a few days later, she finds herself looking down the barrel of a gun. And the gunman at Columbine asked her a simple question. Are you a follower of Jesus? Had she said no, she probably would have lived. But she decided that she's tired of the hypocrisy. She wants to try not to contradict herself. So with boldness and courage, say what you want to, but with boldness and courage, she said, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. And she paid for that statement with her life. Now, here's what I find interesting. That 14-year-old boy I told you about and this young girl had something in common. They were both raised in Christian homes. Why the difference? In fact, in 1999, I did extensive research on the two gunmen at the Columbine shootings because I was going to speak to a group in Auckland, New Zealand. Both of those guys were raised in a loosely quoted Christian home. So they all knew the fundamentals. What's the difference? Why does one turn out to give her life and the others go down to a destructive almost debilitating life. What is the difference? On the one hand, people will come and say, well, it's very simple. It's a matter of hearing and doing. James 1.21 talks about that. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. So in other words, just because you come in here every weekend and you hear the word doesn't mean you accept it, nor does it mean that it's planted firmly in you and has a pragmatic working in your everyday life. He says, accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And this is not salvation of the soul. This is to save you from the disasters the world will bring. And then he says in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. In other words, if you think that you change just by hearing and just by gaining more and more knowledge, he says, you're deceiving yourself. Instead, he says, do what the word says. So on one hand, you could say it in simplicity. Well, it's very simple. Everybody heard the same message, but some heard while others decided to do. Others heard the truth and they pragmatically applied it to their lives. I just don't think it's that simple. Now, follow me on this other hand. Now, sometimes it's true, agreed. Sometimes it is true, but on the other hand, the answer can be quite complex. Let me illustrate it with a third vignette. I got another pastor friend who lives in Atlanta. About 10 years ago, he was contacted by Olympic medalist who wanted to come and spend some time. Said, I'm hurting, but I've heard your sermons online. I believe that you can help me. 
So they had this meeting, sat across the table from each other, and this Olympic medalist told him a fascinating story. He said, you know, from the age of 12, I wanted to win a gold medal in the 100 meters. I've been sprinting all my life. I've been watching the films of great sprinters of the past. I have borrowed some of that film from people like ABC or CBS. I got my hands on it through contact after contact, and I would break it down frame by frame and watch it and then film me and break mine down frame by frame to see where I was losing present uh, 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 just milliseconds because that's what happens, right? In 100 meters, I mean, it's just a millisecond that you lose by. And so he said, I've done all the hard work. Seven years I give my life to this whole thing. And he looked at my friend and he said, then here we are at the Olympics. I've won all my heats. I'm at the gate. I'm about to go for the gold. Seven years have long and hard work had passed. And here I am. The marker's about ready to say on your mark, get set and the gun will fire. And just before he gets to the gunfire, a thought enters my mind. I don't know where it came from, but there it just pops into existence. Something that I had suppressed for ages. And it was this. He said, the thought entered my mind just before the gun went off to run the most important race of my life, to finally cross the threshold. And the thought was this, I wonder if my father is watching. He had an estranged relationship with his dad. There was no love. There was no encouragement. And just when he was about to cross a threshold, just when he was about to make great strides, the memory of a difficult and lost relationship. And my friend said, isn't it amazing? We pastors know this. In every life, there is a pain just beneath the surface of every life, and it raises its ugly head at the brink of success just when you're about to cross the threshold. It's like a ball and chain that keeps pulling you back that won't quite let you succeed because this comes up again. You see, I think you have to wonder about the boy in the first illustration. What were the outside influences brought to bear on his life? Did he have an abusive father, a negligent mother, sexual abuse of some kind in a family member? What was it that led him to where he is and the difference between what he became into what God wants us to become? Now listen to this. This is the most important thing I'm going to say. No, it's not, but it's important. <laughs> listen, what Paul is going to tell you in Philippians 3 is it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter what you started out with and what somebody did to you. What matters is that you understand the key to successful living to where you wake up every morning, you're being changed inwardly, but also nothing gets you down, man. You just take life as it comes because let's be honest. Let's just say it out loud. Life, what? Is about difficult times. And if you're honest with yourself, stuff happens. Now, you know I wanted to say the other word, <laughs> but I didn't say it. Stuff happens to all of us. This is Today with Jeff Vines. We're looking at some of the key factors in achieving successful living, according to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. Let's continue with Pastor Jeff. Stuff happens to all of us. And when the Apostle Paul writes this, I'm convinced that he's trying to tell us, here are the keys to successful living. This is the abundant life. No matter what happened in your past, this is where you go from here. And here's the first key. He says, you must train the mind to forget. You've got to train your mind to forget. You're going to have to make some decisions, young people. Maybe that your parents didn't make. Nobody can make these decisions for you. There have got to be some things in your life that you learn to forget. You train your mind to forget what happened. 
When I was in New Zealand, a sheep farmer took me out in the town of Nelson to his sheep paddocks. He had 12 of them. But there was one paddock that was poisoning his sheep and he couldn't figure out why. If it was the pesticides or what. But it happened to be the sheep's favorite paddock. Man, what a story to life. You say sheep aren't smart enough to have a favorite paddock. Well, maybe they are. He asked if I would come out and help him gather the sheep. We were going to ride these four wheelers around and gather the sheep out of the gate. And then my job was, once we got all the sheep out of the gate, my job was to close the gate. And as I closed that gate, knowing the sheep would never return, I couldn't help but to think of the symbolism of life. Some of you have been in a paddock for so long, you need to get out and close the gate and never go back again. And some of you been wounded somewhere, there's something happening in your past, but you keep going back in the gate. You keep forcing, you'll climb the fence if somebody closes it and locks it, you'll jump over. You'll find a way back in. I love the movie Bagger Vance. Most of you are not gonna know that movie because it's a golfer's movie, but it's one of my favorite movies. Will Smith plays the caddy. And it's about Captain Juno, who was a great golfer, a great champion until he went away to war. And he led a regiment of men and all of his men were killed except for him. So he has to live with this now. And he feels like he let them down. So now because of a past experience in the movie, he lives a debilitated, dejected, despondent life. And the memories of the past destroy any capacity he has to live, to really live in the future. But Bagger Vance, played by Will Smith, is trying to help him. If you know the movie, he's like an angel. And Bagger says to him, all right, Captain Juno, it's time for you to move on now. Time for you to forget the past. And Captain Juno looks at him and says, in this scene, I can't. You don't understand, Bagger. And Bagger says, oh, I love this. He says, I don't need to understand. Ain't a soul on this entire earth ain't got a burden to carry he don't understand. You ain't alone in that, but you've been carrying this one long enough. Time to go on now. Lay it down. I always cry. Even though I've seen that movie a hundred times, I cry every time as if I don't know it's coming because I'm a, I'm a big softy. <laughs> but you have to understand, you know why a pastor would cry because he sits in his office week after week and he listens to these stories of the past, of abusive parents, of horrible school years, of demoralizing teachers, of cruel adolescence, of horrible family life, of legalistic and hypocritical churches that use people, of disastrous marriages, of controlling or abusive husbands, of unfaithful wives, and a home life that just sucks the life and hope right out of you. And for a lot of people, I sit across the table and I want to say this to them, and I don't mean to be insensitive, 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 whatever, I don't want to do that. But I gotta tell you something. For a lot of people, the past, they just won't close the gate and it's like a ball and chain. And every time they're ready to cross the threshold, because they had a bad relationship in the past, they can't have a healthy one now. Because they had a bad experience at their job in the past, they can't have a great occupation now. And it just pulls on them. And every time they're getting ready to cross the threshold and the gun's about to go off, they lose because they allow it to pull them down. Let me say it again. Listen, this is life. Stuff happens. Sin is the most protested doctrine on our planet, yet the most empirically verifiable. Look at what we do to each other. We wound each other. You can't control that, but here's what you can control. You can decide whether or not you're going to allow what's happened in your past to impact you, to change you. You can decide how you're gonna let it wrap a harness around you and restrict you. Paul says you must train the mind to forget. Philippians 3.13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul is saying the sense of forgetting the failures and mistakes, the disasters of your life is going to be central to extraordinary living. Now, how many of you have ever heard of uh, 
Lee Kuan Yew, the prime minister of Singapore at one point. Now, this is a favorite guy of mine. This guy's a little fireball. Man, he's passionate. And I just, guys like that resonate. But I like his story and I've kept his details on my laptop. Because when he became the prime minister of Singapore, it was in disarray. In 1826, they became part of the British Empire. And then later, Britain started granting independence. They were first in line in 1959. Independence was granted and they aligned themselves with Malaysia. It was a horrible marriage. Didn't work out very well. There was a divorce. What followed then was a string of failures. And in comes Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew, the little fireball, the man of passion. He brings industry into employees, low-skilled workers so that at least everyone would have a job. He created public housing, a better quality of living, affordable to anybody who was willing to work. He sent people to school, made education affordable to everyone who wanted it. He set up a banking system. Its goal was that Singapore would become the financial center of Asia. He encouraged international travel as a business and tourism destination. In the process, if you read the story, it was defeat after defeat, riots about everything, strikes about nothing. He couldn't make anybody happy. He could have quit. But he advanced through adversity. He kept moving forward. He could have said the job's too big, the problems are insurmountable. Then just when it got really bad, he brings in Japan and Germany as technical advisors, Sweden and Holland as experts on banking and finance, New Zealand and Australia as Air Force and Naval advisors. And then later, he brought in 1,200 companies from overseas. Now remember, this is a country not much bigger than LA or Orange County. And he brings in General Electric, IBM, Sony, and Mobile Oil. And not too long after those decisions, one day it just hit its peak. All the pistons were firing, and it became arguably one of the most flourishing international cities in the world. I tell you all that to tell you this. Guess what his motto is? Published, you can read it in His motto, Lee Kuan Yew said this. Here's how I'm going to solve our problems. Get up, get over it, and get going. <laughs> That's how you change the man in the mirror. You gotta get up, get over it, and get going. You're not alone in this. Every single one of us in this room has a burden to bear. Every single one of us. You're not alone. Does it mean we don't care? We do care. But there comes a time, man, look, I've said it a thousand times. I've used this illustration, and I will use it. I'll, I'll use it every week if I decide to. Because <laughs> look, at, look at how God made you. Look, go back to your anatomy. Have you ever looked in the mirror and seen that everything's on the front? Your eyes, your nose, I'll get there. Your nose, your mouth. <laughs> Your ears face forward. You got everything. You walk, your knees, everything. God made your anatomy to move forward. There's only one thing stuck on the other side. And that just proves that there are some things that have to be left behind. You are the same way. That's how God created you. <laughs> You've got to train the mind to forget the past and forget past hurts. You've got to do it, man, or it's going to destroy you. You'll never know what it really is to live. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We'll have to leave it there for today, but next time we'll continue to explore Philippians chapter 3 and the things we need to adopt into our way of life in order to achieve successful living. Everything seems to be lost, but in reality, everything is gained. It appears to be the end, but it's really the beginning. It appears that God had failed, but it was God's greatest victory. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.